to Hashtag Single with Jeanette Bonner. I am not a relationship expert or sex therapist. I'm just a regular New York City woman navigating the world as a single, independent feminist. Hashtag Single is about having honest conversations with other singles in today's device-obsessed culture. So I hope you'll join me on this interesting, challenging, and complex journey as we navigate the ins and outs of singledom. so much for coming back to hashtag single i'm so excited to have you with us today so february can be a dicey month for singles um there's a lot of feelings around valentine's day uh but as you know february is also black history month so this month we are honoring that history by bringing you a badass woman working passionately in the relationship and therapy industry to help clients create healthy self perceptions and strengthen relationships in order to push through the challenges of life, which we all need a little bit more of. So welcome to the podcast, Teresa. Thank you. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to to be here and talk today. Oh my God. I'm, I'm so excited to have you um, as a guest on Hashtag Single. It means a lot to me. Um, I want to tell everyone a little bit more about you. Okay. So Teresa Thomas is a licensed marriage and family therapist and life and relationship coach. She has been working professionally with single women looking to empower themselves and create healthy relationships as an online therapist and coach for eight years. She has an MS in couples and family therapy from the University of Kentucky and a BA in psychology from the University of Louisville. And her experience includes parenting, coaching, and counseling in a variety of settings such as community agencies, shelters, and schools. And she is, unfortunately for us, a happily married mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we love single women, but I'm really excited that you found your life partner as well. <laughs> Thank you. How many kids do you have? I actually have one. I have one daughter. She's three years old. So you're heading into the terrible toddler time. Oh, we're here. <laughs> we're there. We're, that that has arrived and uh, quarantine arrived as soon as that arrived. So um, Fun. you can imagine, but <laughs> not envious, not envious. I'm not going to, I'm like, that is the one thing where I'm like, I mean, being single in, in lockdown has been hard, obviously. But sure. when I hear stories about, mm-hmm. about my friends with kids, I'm like, you know, <laughs> I think I'm okay. <laughs> right. You're always looking on the other side, right? Kind of like, hmm. <laughs> there but, you um... go. This isn't always greater. It isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's dive in. You have two degrees. First of all, bravo. I <laughs> applaud your achievements. Um, not easy on so many levels. But I'm curious about what made you want to pursue your master's in couples and family therapy specifically after your undergrad. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, So that's a good question. You know, in undergrad, um, you know, it's definitely something where you choose a major, but it usually is pretty broad. Um, And I've always wanted to do therapy and, you know, psychology was the first first step there. Um, But it also allowed me to kind of take different classes or, you know, have different experiences as to the type or specialty or, you know, what avenue I wanted to go in when it comes to therapy. And um, you know, honestly, it was a undergrad internship that um, I actually had a great opportunity to work with um, a researcher at the University of Louisville who was doing a community program. 
centered around um, resilience and relationships and parenting. And, you know, we were able to go around and, you know, teach different parenting classes. And I really got to know a lot about um, not just the, the textbook version of, you know, what it means to be resilient or what it means to build a family and even to come together as, as parents and husband and wife, but also what it's like to do that um, when you have difficult circumstances around you mm. or, you know, when things are really going, t- going tough, you know? So I definitely um, had that experience. It kind of put me in the thick of it because at that point I'm a, I'm a college student, you know, so I didn't really have much experience with that, but I loved being able to, watch, you know, parents and, and couples really come to a place where they realize, you know what, this is, this is ours, right? We can, you know, make things better or the way that we are together can really help our circumstances. Um, so that was my first experience. And then once I did get to grad school, um, again, it was kind of that, you know, figure out your specialty. And, Mm -hmm. and that, program, you're actually able to start doing therapy. You know, you're under your supervision, but you're able to actually work with uh, clients in the therapy room. And I fell in love with couples therapy. Um, So we are able to see individuals and things like that. But that was kind of the the nail in the, the coffin for me of, you know, really getting that experience of couples in a therapeutic setting. Um, so that would be kind of a long winded version, but that that would be the biggest um, impact as far as deciding to do that. And I've loved it ever since. I haven't, I haven't turned back from it. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> I'm so impressed because I think relationships are really challenging. I mean, your own personal relationships are hard enough, right? Mm-hmm. So being able to be selfless enough to want to help other people, I think I imagine it would be really challenging to be in a room with a couple that's not communicating properly and not absorb their energy. So Mm -hmm. I I think it's, it's real, a really beautiful thing that, that you're coming from this place of empowerment and you want to help people better their lives. Thank you. Yes. Good on you. Yeah. Um, So when you reached out to me, I was immediately drawn to you, not just because you call yourself a feminist, but because you identified yourself specifically as a black feminist. Mm-hmm. Um, I use the term feminist often and proudly. I know it's kind of dicey to some people, but I, I have no problem um, claiming this podcast as a feminist podcast uh, mm-hmm. when describing it. So obviously we're already super aligned in sure. terms of female empowerment there. But tell me what being a black feminist means to you. Sure. Um, So being a black feminist to me is um, definitely under the the belief and understanding that as women, um, we have a lot of different roles and parts of our identity that impact our womanhood and our experience of womanhood. Um, And so when it comes to feminism, um, definitely all about equality and really um, sharing and, and having that equality be something that everyone is is purposefully and intentionally, um, you know, pushing for. Uh, But also, again, as a black feminist, I acknowledge that my blackness is something that is directly uh, impact. It it directly impacts my experience as a woman Um, and even my experience out in the world. But more specifically within relationships, within you know, their career field. There are a lot of ways that that in- intersectionality really comes up um, in the ways that, you know, black women have unique experiences. Um, and so I like to acknowledge my uniqueness, but also a big part of my identity, which is, again, being a black woman, as well as, you know, my 
push for equality among the sexes. So that would be, you know, the, the definition for me is um, really pushing towards equality, but also acknowledging that my blackness is something that is directly impacting and, and interacts with my woman experience. I love that. I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You're welcome. I mean, it's just about, um, it's almost like a, not just an ownership, but a creation of a new identity. That sounds really weak, but for, for lack of better phrasing, just because I just want to acknowledge that, you know, the intersection of those two identities being both black and a feminist was not always simple, you know, like the early suffragette movement has had a complex relationship with black women Mm -hmm. as they were afraid racism would like complicate the movement and Mm -hmm. female leaders weren't, were often left out of the civil rights movement in the sixties, you know, so Mm -hmm. obviously there's a bit of a complex past, you know, I don't know, how, how are you able to reconcile those histories within yourself? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I would say a lot of that, the complications of that is because the circumstances around that, you know, those movements were not created by the people who were fighting against them, right? And so they didn't, they didn't include um, those, again, those different identities, but the fact that they're going to be in the same person, because it was almost kind of that pressure, right? Pressure with the suffragette mm-hmm. movement to really say, okay, what do we want to focus on more, so to say, or what would you know be our only goal, right? Our experience as women, but that really leaves out, you know, a another part of womanhood, and that's culture, that's your race, that's your ethnicity, um, and vice versa. You know, with the civil rights movement, the circumstances around that, the reason why there is a movement was not created by those who are fighting against it, and so within that position, you you are forced to, to make a choice um, and you're forced to, you know, feel as though you have to make a choice. And in some cases, you know, we do have to honor one part of us um, and to maybe prioritize those things. But it is unfortunate that, again, those, those circumstances and, you know, whether it be institutional or even, yeah, even in your household or a relationship, right, that sometimes it forces us to choose those things. Now, for me, um, it's really about reclaiming that. You know, I like how you said, you know, that sense of it being a new identity. It's reclaiming that choice that, you know, I, I don't necessarily feel I have to choose, you know, and, and really um, even calling myself a black feminist, you know, it communicates that to other people that, you know, I'm, I'm not going to choose. I want you to also, you know, claim what you experience and all of yourself as a woman um, and promote that as well. So that's a little bit more of how I I reconcile it is just knowing that the circumstances that, you know, put people into those positions to choose and things like that, they're not created by them. And it's, you know, it's unfortunate, but you do feel that, that pressure very often. I I'm so excited by that phrase you just said, like reclaiming all of yourself as a woman. Mm-hmm. Um, that like just gave me a little bit of a goosebump <laughs> because I, I totally think that like that's what um, like we're doing now in the present. Just the mm-hmm. fact that like there's 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 controversy around the word feminist. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of women out there that like deny that or they don't want to own up to it because it's like has political ramifications or affiliations mm-hmm. from a different period of time. And they say like this, we're in like a different wave of feminism. You're mm-hmm. supposed to say like neo-feminist and like all this stuff, you know? Mm-hmm. And you're like, but why can't I just say what feels good for me? Or like, exactly. why can't I reclaim um, like who I am and maybe you 
use old words that were invented from another time or from different people, mm-hmm. but who the hell cares because it matters to me. You know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Well, and you know, I even, I think with that, you know, it, I think there's this kind of this push to, you know, for everyone to be under this, this big umbrella. And so the only way that we can make things happen is if everyone under that umbrella agrees on the definitions, everyone under that umbrella agrees on Mm. the semantics and the, the tone of things. And, you know, and to me, I, you know, I really want us to understand and accept that it is so possible to have individuality within a movement, right? It's so possible to have differences even within a movement and still have that same goal. Um, and I think, you know, hearing you talk about some of that, you know, you should or shouldn't and, you know, those things, mm-hmm, it's, mm-hmm. that has no room in a place where, you know, we're kind of fighting against someone who else, who else is saying you should or shouldn't, you know what I mean? And so there is something about one accepting that, but also inquiring, right? So asking that question. So why do you call yourself a black feminist or why do you use that word or in a way that is more just about understanding and not about judgment? Um, mm. That's a big, a big part, you know, of how to help, again, people with differences or different identities to still feel as though they can, you know, go towards the same goal. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, well said. I love that so much. <laughs> so talk to me about how you specifically use this lens of feminism um, in your work in order to help your clients. And, mm-hmm. and also, I just wanted to see if we could talk specifically about your single clients, if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. Obviously, I know your work centers a lot around couples and those in relationship, but you know, mm-hmm. us singles need some strength and empowerment, uh, especially as Hallmark and social media ads descend on us in February. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, using the lens of feminism to help those in... Um, uh, who are seeking relationships, let's put it that way, mm-hmm. but are single. Yes. How do we, how do we apply that? Yes. Um, and so I, yeah, I definitely agree that, um, you know, singles, there is still an important um, aspect of focusing on just how you are in relationships, you know, throughout your life, um, single or not. And so I agree that, you know, singleness is definitely included in this. Um, and, you know, when my, when my single clients are looking for someone like me, um, they usually have had negative experiences in their relationships in the past. Um, they may have experienced marriage and then, you know, divorce, or they maybe have, you know, uh, children. And so they're trying to co-parent with someone they're not with anymore. They're really focusing on, okay, how can I, as a single person or as this person, maybe who's dating and looking for a relationship or still nearly, still needing to deal with the relationships in my life. How do I show up? How do I make them the healthiest for me? Um, and so from my background in, you know, couples therapy and really working with relationships in that way, I help my clients understand and really process what they've been through, their experiences, but also what they would like as well. And that's where empowerment and feminism and, Mm -hmm. you know, that comes in because as women, um, there is, and you just said it, there are so many messages about what a relationship, what a marriage, what love, what, you know, dating. What it should look like. Yes. Like those Mm -hmm. awful shoulds of society. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so it really disempowers us to feel as though we have to find that instead of, Oh, 
I'm actually the creator of that. I'm actually the creator of my, my health, my happiness, my love, the, you know, the relationship that I'm in. It's not about finding what fits for me, but more creating what is best for me. Um, and so that's where, again, feminism and, you know, even intersectionality comes in because it's going to be different for every woman. But to first start off with what were the experiences in your life that made you, you know, maybe take away some of that creation or some of that, um, you know, agency within your life. But also what are the things that, again, maybe you're hesitant to speak up about? You know, when it comes to what you really do want, because I do find with uh, my especially my um, individual clients who are women, there is something about our voice that we we easily allow others to take it from us. We easily allow others to speak for us. Um, and so to bring that voice back. Right. And kind of say, well, where did it go? You know, if this is what you're wanting, why mm. did you not speak up? Or why was that something you were hesitant to go after yourself? Um, and, you know, I'm not going to say nine times out of 10, but I would say at least six or seven times out of 10, there's something about power. There's something about, you know, I didn't, yeah. I didn't necessarily know if I had the right to say something, or I was always told I shouldn't speak up about this specific thing. Um, and the power dynamics that, whether it be society or maybe our family or, you know, kind of taught us, we take those into relationships. Um, so that's where, you know, again, my work when it comes to individuals and really single individuals who are looking to empower themselves, but within their relationships, that's where I really start. Um, and again, it, it really is about how do you recognize the equality that you're looking for, the relationship that you're looking for, um, and how do you create that for yourself, right? Taking ownership of that and saying, I'm the person, you know, when I come into a dating relationship, even from the first decision to swipe left or right, you know, I'm the one that creates this. So, mm -hmm. I mean, that that's a little bit more, you know, hopefully that, that answers your question. <laughs> oh my God. It, and not only that, it just like resonates so much with me. I feel like a lot of what you said is where my curiosity lives, both in, in this podcast when I interview guests or even in my own single life. It's like uh, I talk a lot about socialization, about where we got these ideas of mm -hmm. where we should be in our lives, that awful should again. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, when I heard you talk about the idea of power, of voicelessness, of equality. I mean, all those are, <laughs> I feel like, I feel like we could just talk for five hours about those themes mm -hmm. alone because they're always present. They're not just present like in our society. They're always, you're so right. They trickle down to our relationships mm -hmm. and, and whether we got them set up from us as young kids, seeing in our parental roles mm -hmm. or whether they were, they were taught to us by other people in positions of authority. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm so interested in how our culture influences our choices as women when we date. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah, yes, all of that. Yummy. <laughs> yes. I want to like go. I want to like go journal for five hours. Um, <laughs> wait. So, so this is something you know, kind of spinning off of that. And I think this is something that that comes up on the podcast a lot. It's something that I, like I said, I'm, I'm very curious about. Um, I'm always exploring mm -hmm. how do we navigate the balance of female empowerment and healthy dating 
in today's culture. Not to say that the two ideas are not aligned, Mm -hmm. but I do feel somehow that um, the ownership of female empowerment is not always in line with a balanced, healthy dating life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was that was not properly expressed, but I'm hoping you're getting. No, I understand. Things. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, and this is a good question because there there are often times where, like you said, that that battle, you know, is there because what I will say is there these social constructs around you know relationships or around again those expectations and mm-hmm. should or shouldn't they come with benefits, right? So, you know, it's not to say that they're telling you, you should do this and, you know, negative things will come, right? They're saying, hey, get married, be a wife, do this or that, right? And you'll have the approval of all your family and friends, or you'll, you'll have the, the, um, life or the dream that, you know, you see on social media, right? So there is, again, an appeal to these things, um, in, and I'll say specifically in the ways that disempower women, Right. So it's not just getting married will be beneficial, but, you know, there are, you know, certain messages around who you should be as a wife and then you get benefits or then, you know, the the praise comes. So with that, there's definitely going to be that battle. And when I'm working with clients, one, the first thing is they're angry as hell about that. Right. Mm, It's like, mm, mm -hmm. you know, why do I have to do X, Y and Z only to get praise? Right. Or why is it only this? Then I'm able to feel happy or then I'm able to be understood. Right. And so that's a big part is how do we deal with the anger? Because that anger can really turn into resentment. Right. It can really turn into, okay, now everyone can get it. You know what I mean? Even the person that might be open to different or might be looking for different. Um, And so when I hear you talking about dating and looking for partners who um, match up with your experience of, like you said, female empowerment and just your uh, desire for that, we have to kind of be able to one, set up an openness or a flexibility for that, but also set up some some ground rules, some boundaries, some things that really help you say, this is how I implement female empowerment into my relationships. Um, and that's something that I, I want my clients to be sure about before they're even, again, swiping left or right, right? Like you should have that known. You should be aware of what you are really looking for. What it, again, the definition for you is, right? What does female empowerment mm-hmm. really mean for you specifically? you know, in your life, um, Mm. with all of your roles, with all of your identities, you know, involved, what does that actually look like? Um, but also within a relationship, what are kind of that, that step, right? So from the very first profile you're looking at, what are some of your expectations, right? And then after that, from the first conversation or the first date, or, you know, overall in a partner, what are you looking for that would really say, this is how female empowerment would be implemented in the relationship. Um, I think one one mistake that we we make whenever we're looking for a partner, especially around you know feminism and, and empowerment, is are they already there? Do they already know you know how to implement implement that into a relationship? 
right? Sorry to interrupt you. The pe- just to clarify, but do you mean like people who are looking, let's say women, or mm-hmm. people who are on the other end, the people that you're looking at? I would say that women would like the person that they're looking for, you know, to already know how to implement female empowerment into the relationship. Ah, yes, totally. Right. So it's kind of like, you know, hey, that that's maybe one of the first questions. Icebreaker, you know, I'm all about female empowerment. What do you think about it? And how does it show up in your you know, when you date women? Um, And sometimes we're not always able to articulate that. And that can definitely, I think, confuse, you know, not only the person that you're asking, but even for yourself. You're not really sure how to judge that if they don't if they don't write in, know how to describe it. um, It could be hard to get past that. Oh my God, Teresa, I want to write that to the guys I'm chatting with right now and just see how they respond. I love it so much. Like, I love it so much. And I'm, I'm, it's so awful to say this, but I already feel in my heart like that would just be a giant disaster. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like sure. I can barely have conversations beyond like, what did we did this weekend? And, and um, like, what? I had this uh, a guest on um, a couple episodes ago, and she said one of her starter questions, Mm -hmm. she likes to ask guys, um, what are you passionate about? What lights you up? Mm -hmm. And she said she never gets any responses. They're usually usually like, they'll respond and say, hey, how are you? Mm -hmm. Like, no one actually answers Mm -hmm. the question. But I feel like if I started with like, how do you feel about where, or tell me how female empowerment Mm -hmm. shows up in your life, I would get unmatched. So exactly. But if you say, hey, you know, when you're with uh, a partner and they have a job promotion, how do you celebrate that? Yeah. You know, yeah, that isn't female female empowerment because you want to know how would someone handle your accomplishments? How would someone handle um, supporting you and it only being about you? Yeah. Right. That's definitely a, that's like a conversation. I feel like when you start to get to know someone, like maybe you actually meet in person. But I wonder if there's an easier way to break that down when you're just like first chit chatting with someone, like mm-hmm. first getting to know them. Sure. Is there like an an easy icebreaker question that wouldn't have them running for the hills? Mm, yeah. So let's see. <laughs> One I would say um, is to again have your your boundaries and maybe even some of the the clues for you in mind, right? Because individually, you're going to have different things that scream, you know, female empowerment and don't to you. To me, I think that you're going to have some differences in what you're looking for in a partner Sure. with how they handle, right, female empowerment. So, you know, for yourself, definitely have some of those maybe phrases, you know, things that you would want them to say or things that you would want to hear, ways that they may describe other women in their life. Um, or ways that they, you know, may describe their, um, their partner in a way that's like, Hey, when things are tough, what will you do? You know, what would be your role? Right. So I wouldn't necessarily say you'd have to, you know, drill in very specific right there in the beginning questions, but I would say as you're talking and you, you are maybe learning more about them, what they do, you know, their day to day having things that, again, that you might want to say, hey, this, if they say this, or if they mention these things, or, you know, if there are certain ways they describe women in their life, that could give you a little bit more of an understanding about them. Again, especially in the, the beginning. Um, yeah. Yeah. Hopefully that, that makes sense. 
I really enjoy, um, obviously, I just responded to it very enthusiastically, but when you said, like, how do they describe other women in their life? Mm-hmm. That's that's key, even if, I mean, again, that's sort of um, maybe a couple days into the condo, if, you, if you're if you lucky to make it that far, mm-hmm. uh, to be like, uh, tell me about your family. Do you have any sisters mm-hmm. or what's your, like, what's your relationship with your mom? It's probably way too intense sure. unless someone introduces their, their mom or their grandma first, mm-hmm. you know? Um, but I, I think that's really a, a clever way to get, um, get in to the mindset of like, how do they, uh, support women in their lives mm-hmm. and how do they, you know, lift them up and have relationships with them? Mm-hmm. You know, another a way to kind of, you know, we're not necessarily saying we're, we're testing, but we want to know, you know, we want to be aware of those things is, you know, even when you look at their profile or, you know, saying that we're, we're meeting on social media um, or social dating apps, um, when you look at what they're looking for, you know, sometimes you can really have a, a clue about how someone views other people, how they view women, with just what their intentions are. Now, sometimes, you know, granted, a a short bio doesn't tell you everything about a person, um, but there are specific red flags, right, that you would want Mm. to, you know, be able to recognize, you know, um, if it's again, if it doesn't align with your experience of female empowerment and what you're looking for. Um, And so that would be my again, my biggest kind of driving that home is you want to be sure what your feminism looks like or what your, you know, female empowerment looks like. Um, even before you're searching for someone else. Yeah. A lot of my guests, in addition to myself, there's sort of a recurring theme, which is, um, granted, I'm based in New York. So many, Mm -hmm. I would say the majority of my guests are in New York City. And Mm -hmm. because I work in the entertainment industry, majority of my guests happen to also work in the entertainment industry, Mm -hmm. which is a really tough industry to survive in. So a lot of my guests, there's this recurring theme of um, career first. I'm really passionate. I'm really driven. Mm -hmm. And I need someone to know these things about me. And I want them to be as passionate and driven as I am. And Mm -hmm. then we'll sort of come together. Mm -hmm. But, (laughs) and even knowing that value about ourselves, not necessarily finding the kind of person who is excited about independent, passionate, driven, strong women Mm -hmm. that are kind of work first. Mm -hmm. It's a sort of this dichotomy of like, we're strong. We want someone strong, but the guys we're attracted to are not necessarily looking for a, uh, the first one that comes to mind is equal, but I don't like it. But, um, someone who's going to play at their level or mm-hmm. c- compete is another word that comes to mind, but I don't like that one either because you're not competing in a relationship. But mm-hmm. this idea of like, like two, just to like coin a phrase from a previous episode, um, my friend Sarah, she talked about like power couple. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's, I think a lot of women get off on the idea of power couples, but mm-hmm. I've not ever met a single dude that's ever been like, yeah, I'm looking for a woman <laughs> who's like career first, driven, entrepreneurial, can raise money. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely understand that. And, you know, I think that goes along with, again, the the benefits that we're fed as far as a specific relationship, you know, others who are looking for relationships with women, they're fed that same thing around the benefits, 
right? And so I, I think it's so common that, you know, when you're talking about this power, power couple thing or, you know, how when men and women, you know, or partners match each other, especially financially, there's something about our social contract construct thinking that, okay, because there's a match, there's no balance there, right? Or there's mm-hmm. no um, way to to really identify kind of the, I'll say it, the power dynamic, right? We yes. are still looking for a specific way to say, okay, this is how I'm over my partner, you know, or this is how I um, even get value within the relationship as well. Um, because, you know, when I hear you talking about being a, a um, woman who is looking for, like you said, her career first and really want someone to match that, sometimes we're not able to communicate where that other person would fit in or what place we have created for them to, again, add balance in our life. Um, and so it's kind of that idea of if, you know, if, if something is already whole, right, we're told, right, that it, it's done. You don't need anything Mm -hmm. else, right? There's no need to add or take away or, you know, and so that might be some of the ways, again, that when we're getting these messages, you know, we've heard that phrase, my other half, right? And it's not just about the the person, you know, you feel you need someone to complete or to complete you, but that also someone feels good if they feel as though they've completed you. Yes. You know, and or so- contributed to mm-hmm, the relationship, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So this is what I, I brought to them or I brought to her and look at how she is now, not the, I made you, but again, in its simplest form, you know, we're told, Hey, you find your soulmate, find the person that completes Mm -hmm. you. Right. Not only will that make you feel good, it makes the other person identify, Oh, that's how I feel good too. Um, and so, you know, usually when I get women who are coming to me, like, Hey, like, like you said, I want to be that power couple, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be, you know, Barack and Michelle, right? Michelle went to uh, yeah. both, you know, Harvard and Yale. Like she, she was there, you know. And so, when I when I have couple or when I have um, women come to me about that, I'll ask them, "How have you made room for a spouse in your life? Right? How have mm-hmm. you, um, how have you identified where this person will balance, you know, your experience, right? Or what this relationship will do." That's how you communicate, you know, and and um, invite someone along with you, right? Is to say, yes, I am career first. I, you know, I'm looking at six or seven figures. I'm, you know, all of those things. And you know, here are the ways that I see a partner um, fitting into that. Um, so, would you mm-hmm. recommend like putting that kind of? I'm just trying to think how one presents oneself as a woman who's not needy but not Mm -hmm. like i don't need a man to to fulfill me but is not complete like do you put that language in your profile Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um you know i'm not really sure if it's okay what i would say when it comes to the not needing right that negative um, way of describing it already puts people off right so the the idea of okay i don't need these things although Mm -hmm. we are obviously, you know, privy to the fact that, hey, we've been told we need something. And so we're going to say the exact opposite, right? What I would say to put in your your profile is what you choose. 
not necessarily what you what you don't need or what you do need or you know if someone were to come into my life i would choose them because of these things right or i'm choosing Ooh, you know to invite others you know to be or invite someone else you know to match me on this way right the the idea of choice is less kind of like it's more about adding something and not taking away Mm -hmm. See what I'm saying? And so even yes. if you're not putting this on your profile, the way that you describe just where you are in your life, again, someone's going to see, okay, well, where, where do I, well, they're, they're going to think, well, where do I fit in? You know? And so if you say, you know, that I'm choosing to um, focus on my career and I'm choosing to find someone who will go along with me on that, you know, I, I would love to choose someone who also has uh, their own career. And, you know, when you are talking about what you want to add to your life, people are more open to hearing that. Yeah. Versus yeah. I don't want this, I don't want that, he can't have this, she can't have that, you shouldn't do this, right? The the negative part of it, it usually shuts people off. Even though you're totally. saying exactly what you should, right? Even though you're saying, yeah, these are the things I don't want, when you're first meeting someone or they're first getting to know you, it's good to talk more of what you want to add or what you are choosing. Well, and it's so interesting that you call me out for saying the like, um, for saying I'm a woman that doesn't need someone. Because I, I think there's a lot of feminism behind that. Like, I feel like I was encouraged to not need other people, mm -hmm. as you said at the very top of the episode, to provide me with my own happiness. Mm -hmm. And so that's sort of, for better, for worse, what I look for in my relationships. Like, as you said, to like add value, but not necessarily like I don't need a man to completely mm -hmm. to com to complete me, mm -hmm. but um, you're so right by just saying like, I don't need that. It sort of tells the universe, it, it sort of repels bringing mm -hmm. someone else in, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, even as you're, you know, you're kind of talking about the idea of needing, right? So when we're, when we're considering really wanting to be equals with, with men, you know, whether that be in the world or relationships, Sometimes I like to think, you know, if someone doesn't need something, do they make an announcement? You know, <laughs> men, so yes. you know, <laughs> men do not need us. Right. They believe and wholeheartedly believe they don't need us. Yes. Do they make announcements about that? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know, but I also understand totally. they weren't for centuries on end told that they do. Right. But again, when you're at that position where you've accepted and you know, and there is no convincing you otherwise it is true it is it is your fact you don't have to make an announcement you know it may not even come mm. up it's going to be shown and expressed and displayed in all of the ways that you've that you live your life yes you know um now obviously if someone says oh you need me then hell yeah say no the fuck i don't like i don't need you <laughs> you know what i mean but you know when we're talking about looking for a partner right when we're talking about you know, wanting someone and choosing someone, then yeah, we don't necessarily need to make an announcement about needing something, right? But we can make an announce about, announcement about, about all of the things we want or about all of the things we're choosing and the things yeah. that will make us feel good or the type of partner that would make us feel good. Um, that, so that would be kind of a way to, you know, I know how you said I called you out, but that's a way to kind of in encourage, right? To, to kind of step into that position versus spreading it, you know, with your words or versus making the announcement about it. Yeah. 
No, and I, th- I think I didn't mean to like say that was negative or mean in any oh, way. No, like, no, I, no, no, I love being called out on, on sure. my shit because yeah. I, I, think, I think a lot of us, especially in dating, especially women that have reached a certain age and are mm-hmm. um, single like myself, like there's just, um, there's these life boats that we hang on to, these belief systems, these limiting beliefs often mm-hmm. of um, what... Uh, what we've derived from the culture mm-hmm. and 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 the sort of like idiosyncrasies that people have planted in our ears over yeah. um, like if 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 you can be a feminist and also still want a man in your life mm-hmm. like those two things don't cancel each other out you know mm-hmm. absolutely so I you know I get I get caught up in it sometimes too and I'm I'm happy to be you know, called out on, on my shit, like I said. <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> and, and, it. yeah, I mean, it. and here's the thing, you know, it really is about like empowering yourself is really about seeing yourself as well, you know, and really being able to understand, you know, like you said, parts of whether it be those idiosyncrasies or the things that we, you know, have really taken a hold onto as our own, you know, you might want to take a look Is is this, coinciding with the life that I want. You know, I like how you said, you know, putting it out there. If you want a certain life, are you also matching up with that? You know, and sometimes it is, you know, especially within our our single time, it is a great time to be able to see ourselves or to try to, you know, uncover those those things um, or the ways that we might have been trying to keep something away. Right. Versus what we're inviting in. Um, Yeah. Yeah. mm -hmm. Very much. A lot of your work is centered around what you refer to as action-oriented strategies. Mm-hmm. So obviously, we're still stuck in a pandemic, but mm-hmm. I'd love to hear, as we begin to emerge out of it this year, fingers crossed, Yes. Um, what are some pieces of advice you can give us to set specific dating goals and also motivate ourselves to achieve them? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, I, I would say, one, really consider where you are in your dating life. Um, And by that, I would mean, you know, really sit down, take some time and write out your dating story. Um, So it's almost like you're writing a book, but really start out with the first person that I liked was this. Oh my God. (laughs) You know, or my first relationship was like this, you know, to really get a clear picture, right? A clear understanding of, where you are and what what place you're in right just in again in your experience that will be the first thing um because i think we spend a lot of time and i'm sure for good reason trying to forget things trying to push them away trying to move forward from them and you know sometimes that is the very place that we might want to stay a little while um to really again kind of empower ourselves to get clear about where we are So that would be the first activity with just to say, literally take a a journal, you know, or two, it might be that long, but take a journal and sit down and really write down your dating story um, and read it, you know, and take it in. Um, The next thing I would say, you know, I hear you talking about goals. Um, I would say really consider what your pace is when it comes to dating, Um, because there are a lot of different ways that a pace that might be healthiest for us may not necessarily be what is encouraged to us. It may not be what is what feels good at the time, you know, but to consider your pacing really set out with 
what is the the first stage of a dating experience? What do I consider that? Mm. What does it mean to be in the beginning of dating someone? What will I be doing? What will they be doing? What will be happening? What will not be happening? And then take it to the next step. Okay, so what would be after that? Mm-hmm. You know, after we're in the beginning phase, then what what signifies the next step? What boundaries are there or are not there in the next step? You know, give yourself, you know, a way to really consider what is the best pace for me? What's kind of my my process, so to speak? Um, and it feels kind of like, what do you mean? I just fall in love and here we are, right? Like, what do you mean <laughs> step by step? <laughs> you know, he's the man of my dreams and, you know, we go off in the sunset. Um, and so that's what I mean by action oriented, because we're not taught to think about love and dating and, and things like that in such a linear way or in such a, you know, a strategic way. But it yeah. really does help to, you know, kind of bring those things together, you know, um, so that, again, you are aware of where you are at each time because emotions, whew, they they're there. Right. And they can really influence how things go. And so if you spend your singleness, your time in quarantine, being able to say, OK, well, what one, where am I in my dating story? But also what are the, the stages of dating for me? You know, mm-hmm. what stage am I in with this person? You know, and what would it look like if we were to move to the next stage? What would happen? You know, what would be the boundaries in that stage or what would be the actions in that stage? Um, those would be two, two activities. Again, when you're still trying to figure things out or, you know, you're kind of in the beginning of it. Um, yeah. So I hope that that answers your question. Yeah, that's super helpful. I, I don't think, uh, <laughs> I've ever thought, I mean, I journal a lot and mm-hmm. that's why I laughed. Cause I was like, I literally have like 18 pages, mm-hmm. 18 diaries of, of like dating drama, but mm-hmm. just in summarizing, like, what is my not only what is my dating story that I tell myself, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. what is the one that I want to draft and plan for my future? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And this is such a good time to do that at the beginning of the year while we're, we're sitting and we're trying to manifest what we want yes. to happen this year. So it doesn't just like pass us by because mm-hmm. that's largely what I feel like happened in 2020. We were all just waiting for something to yes. change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And all this time went by and we're like, oh, my God, we're still here. Mm-hmm. So our metrics of, I think, especially in dating, because as I, don't, I, th- I think I speak for a lot of single people, like the process and the progress of how we normally date got completely flattened. Like, mm-hmm. I think yep. I went on two in-person dates mm-hmm. um, and they were not successful. And I went on um, maybe like three FaceTime dates mm-hmm. that didn't progress forward into second dates. So yeah. all of them were a lot of like stops and starts. And then there were countless conversations that never went anywhere in between. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of that was influenced by what's happening in the world like you can't you know it's not as as fun or casual as like hey i'm free on thursday let's just grab a drink Mm -hmm. nearby and see if we connect it's a little more it has to be more intentional like do i want to meet this person Mm -hmm. um in the real world is it worth me potentially getting sick is Mm -hmm. it worth my the time it takes to put my damn shoes on, you know, yeah. it, was, <laughs> yeah. it was just a little, it was a very different world. And I, for one, did not take any time to make intentions around it. I just sort of went with the flow. Mm-hmm. 
And sure. lo and behold, it didn't work. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm into like making some changes. That's for sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah. I mean, and you know, as you're, you're talking about that, you know, I, I definitely hear the things that really showed up in, you know, a lot of my work with clients, right? Last year is, like you said, that there, the normal ways that we would connect or the normal ways that we would really get to know someone or, you know, really be able to, like you said, make that judgment call. There's so many more things involved in that. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, it can be confusing, you know, if you're not at a place where you're also maybe adapting your intentions or yes, starting at creating them. You know, if you don't necessarily have that there in place for yourself, when all of these things are added on or these circumstances or, you know, things in life, it, it can be easy to kind of have those things sway you, you know, mm-hmm. or make you feel like, man, I don't know what to do in this situation or maybe do things you regret. Um, and so I do, I do think, you know, I, I, I like that connection, you know, of all of these new added factors even begs the question of intentionality and like just having that for yourself. How would I, you know, like you said, how would I decide if someone or, or the potential of this is worth it or not? Um, yeah. Inside and outside of a pandemic. Right. So that would be good. And hopefully we get to see both of those scenarios. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I would love there for, for there to be like a before and after. Mm-hmm. I mean, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, dear God. Teresa, it's been so phenomenal talking to you yes, it has. about you. the intersection of feminism and dating and um, our culture today. Thank you so, so much for coming on this podcast with me and, and, and sharing your story and some of your inspirational ideas behind getting us to, to a different place. I really <laughs> appreciate it. Yes, I, I really appreciate it, too. I'm, I'm just really glad to be able to talk with, you know, another feminist and someone who's really, yeah. yes, really trying trying to um, get the information out there, you know, creating a space for, you know, single women to come and just discuss these experiences and, you know, feel heard, feel seen. And yes, even get some of those, those tips and strategies along the way. It's, I mean, it's a great thing. So I definitely wanted to be included and I appreciate you um, being open to that, you know, and and having me on. Rock on. If people want to work with you, um, where can they find you? Mm-hmm, definitely. So I'm on all the things, you know, so I'm on Instagram <laughs> um, at Resilient Love Therapy and as well as Facebook, Resilient Love Therapy. I also have um, a website, ResilientLoveTherapy.com. And that's Resilient, R-E-S-I-L-I-E-N-T, LoveTherapy.com. Um, and yeah, that's where you'll be able to see my socials, but also um, request a, a consultation with me if you're looking for a therapist, um, individual or, or couple. Um, and I also have a, a few programs that, that uh, clients can participate in if you're looking for more of, you know, those, again, those action uh, steps or maybe even taking a class um, just to kind of get that going. So, yes, those are the ways you can you can reach out to me. So wonderful. I'm definitely going to be looking into it and I will absolutely keep you posted mm-hmm. on how my 2021 dating story goes. Yes, please do. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you guys, I hope you enjoyed this uh, really, really awesome episode of Hashtag Single. Um, if you have any questions uh, for Teresa or for myself, hit us up, obviously. Hashtag Single Pod on Instagram. Um, you can find us on Facebook, too, as well, if anyone uses Facebook anymore. But I would love to hear from you and Teresa would, too, as well. Yes. Um, that's it for this episode. We will catch you next time. Bye.